0: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. And welcome back to our podcast, Too Many Lawyers. Uh, if you're fairly new, what the heck is the show about? Well, we talk about the top legal stories of the week. Um, and the title, Too Many Lawyers, means just what it sounds like. There are too many lawyers, at least. If they're bad ones in my personal Too many opinion.
1: lawyers to make sense of for a normal, regular human being, so hopefully we can help with that. Yeah. Too many judges, too many regulations, too, too many, many everything. politicians. Yeah.
0: So Connor and I are legal analysts. I'm a boomer libertarian. He's a millennial progressive. And we talk about this stuff, hopefully with some respect and uh, without food fights. So what are our three top stories today? First is Britney getting ripped off. We've taken a deep dive into conservatorship and uh, it's not as boring as it sounds, especially if, if it involves Britney barely clothed. So that's topic one. Number two is Cuomo toast. And I'm not talking about breakfast food here. I'm talking about it. Can this guy hold on? And finally, Ashley Babbitt, you know her as the QAnon lady who was shot dead in the Capitol Hill riot, the January 6th Capitol riot. Her parents are suing the Capitol Police for $10 million for wrongful death. So we're going to probe whether there's some value to that. And of course, as always, at the end of the program, uh, our very favorite segment, Guess the Verdict, where Connor puts his thinking cap on, tries to guess the outcome of uh, an interesting case. This one involves a jockstrap and a casino. I'll just give you a little bit of a hint as to what this is about. A jockstrap and a casino, not necessarily in that order. So, before we get to Brittany, I've got to give you my pet peeve of the week, Connor. Maybe I'm just being grumpy and old-fashioned here, but uh, we're watching the Olympics, and I'm watching the beach volleyball. Congratulations to the ladies. Mm -hmm. Why the hell do people on both teams, they could be from Liechtenstein or Communist China, not Russia, because... Uh, R- Russian Olympic Committee, right? Yeah. How yeah. how the hell did they do that? boy? Was Putin a good negotiator? If Russia was excluded from the Olympics because right. of doping, right? how come all the Russians are scooping up all the medals saying, oh, they're not from Russia, they're <laughs> from Russian Olympic Committee? So we got a couple- What co- does that
1: mean? We got a couple of-, of how bad teams. is my Russian impersonation? No, it was great. No, it, it is a very complicated uh, situation where uh, a, a lot of- uh, competitors from Russian-affiliated uh, states um, were able to uh, go to the uh, International Olympic Committee and say, look, we're being unfairly excluded. You've got no no reason to believe that we were involved in the doping uh, scandal specifically, and you're, we're going to miss our only maybe chance to participate in the Olympics. So they caved. So the IOC caved and created this. You can't say the word Russia. It doesn't say R-U-S-S. And we're not it going to add says- the, your
0: medals to the Historical right, exactly. total of it the Union
1: says, of Soviet Socialist Republics. R O C. So mm. yeah, what are the odds that the Russians are adding those to their own totals internally? I would think that they were most general Russian people probably consider these athletes to be uh, Russian athletes. Obviously, they probably um, also added a whole bunch of them from 1984 when they figure well.
0: If we had been there, we would have oh, yeah. won. We would have won for sure. Yeah, crushed. All right. So uh, the, here, here's my pet peeve. Yeah, um, women's watching, volleyball. I'm watching the women's volleyball, mm-hmm. and so uh, somebody serves the the ball right into the old net, and down it goes into the sand. What do the two of them do to each other? They hug and they high five. They slap hands. <laughs> Oh really that's uh, maybe this is a typo i've just watched. right 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 a couple a couple of plays later somebody smacks it so far goes into the ocean okay right, right. uh they hug and they slap hands, and I've noticed this yeah. doubles tennis as well, Connor. Double fault in a crucial moment in the what? match. Oh, let's slap hands. You you miss a free throw in in the college basketball or the NBA. Oh yeah. my gosh, I've been working for seventeen years for this championship. We just lost it because Wilber here missed a free throw. Slap hands, pal. So, so you're saying why do they act happy you're saying, when something
1: bad happens? You're saying they got uh, participation trophies, and you don't like these darn no, millennials you know, getting their I, participation. I, I love to talking about participation trophies. I'm not sure this is precisely analogous. Do you see any rationale oh, yeah. for acting hap-hap-slap-happy I mean, when something bad happened? Absolutely. we Like, success and confidence and happiness are self-fulfilling prophecies when you say i am happy you feel happier when you go do the things that a happy person does you get happier you when you say i have more confidence you act like you have more confidence you do have more confidence Mm -hmm. the human brain is a bizarre uh machine and these people know that their job is to cheat it that their job is to confuse their own brain into saying shake it off pretend it didn't happen act like you just had a good move uh, just made a good move and had a good uh good shot because you got to i mean it doesn't have to make sense if you could if if slapping yourself in the face you know before you you start your race gets your adrenaline pumping it's yeah it's silly and it's irrational you may be right right but i have to trick your body i have a suggestion oh okay. okay here's the rule yeah
0: if you screw up five times in a row, right. you will not get the hug and okay. the hand slap. Okay. You'll get a punch to the stomach, okay? <laughs> That's, That's like the obligation of every partner. And you don't think your partner would be delighted to follow this rule? Oh, they would. Oh my God, I've worked for 17 years for this. And Tina over here just double falls it five away. times in a row. Guess yeah, what? yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess that couldn't be because that would be maybe the game. But well, beat her, give her yeah. the punch in the tummy. For sure, for sure. Just like my idea. Good idea. Really good, good idea. idea. Let's talk uh, Britney Spears. I'm a sports psychologist and I approve of this idea. <laughs> so Britney Spears, is um, is she ripped being ripped off by this whole conservatorship thing? Now I, I, I did uh, I was part of Inside Edition's story on Friday, uh, Jim Murray's story on the latest wrinkle in Britney Spears' deal. And the right. wrinkle is... The conservator, now apparently, you know, sort of a bifurcated, two-part conservatorship. You got one person running the show financially, right? You got one person running the show from a health the and conservator wellness.
1: of the body.
0: Yeah, and then the other is is more of a financial deal. And so what you have is a situation where uh, the health person is in a position to make recommendations. And boy, did she allegedly make a recommendation. She said, you know, since the the June 23rd kind of outburst by Britney Spears in court, where she said, I'm enslaved here. They won't let me take my IUD out. Uh, You know, my, my father is this toxic force. Get rid of him. I don't want any more shrinks talking to me. Since then, the conservator allegedly said, you know, Britney needs to maybe have a 5150 hold. And that means under California law, there's a, a law, Section 5150, the Health and Welfare Code, something like that, that essentially says if a person is a danger to themselves or others, they should be locked up for 72 hours or even longer to evaluate them and so on. Now, this is something we're
1: going to run into throughout the episode here. We're going to talk about it a little bit more. It's called the Lanterman-Pettis Short Act, or LPS. And so the LPS Act is uh, part of the the California law, um, and uh, it came from a, a guy named Frank Lanterman and then two other Um, to other sponsors in the legislature, uh, and they decided in the the 60s, uh, we're going to change the way mental health works in California. We're not going to have involuntary psychological holds placed on people where they're indefinitely held as long as some doctor or a couple of doctors and nurses all say yeah this person seems wacky they need it which sounds There's, like a good idea yeah it was a it was a terrible system where prior to the, the 60s we really kind of just warehoused people um, who had mental health issues, and many people who didn't have su- su- uh, significant mental health issues, uh, but we just thought were abnormal and strange. And it's not that we've solved that system completely, but the LPS system says that there's a fifty-one fifty hold, which is seven days, or sorry, seventy-two hours, and then there's a fifty-two fifty, which is even more serious, which is a fourteen day hold. And it's a really good place to start with when talking about Brittany wh- to think like, okay, what's the deal with? Uh, uh, with mental health holds, with uh, conservatorships in California. What's the law say? What's the baseline? What? How bad must your situation be? How dire do things have to be for the, for the government to say somebody else can get control of your body for the next 72 yeah. hours and, and or p- even 14 days, which is massive. And then finally, then the third part of that equation is a one-year conservatorship under the LPS uh, Act where you go to the court and you say, we want to make this person's decisions, everything from can they drive, can they vote, can they have a firearm, anything important, how do we spend their money, crucially when you're a multimillionaire like Britney Spears, how do we spend their money, where do they live, what do they do? Yeah. So, so you're laying
0: out the general. Uh, setting here. Let me me give you a couple of specific facts about Britney, and then Mm -hmm. then I want to get your response. And this is a great summary of her situation. She has been denied the freedom to make phone calls, operate a car, or access her money, all the while recording four studio albums, performing in four world tours, and having a four-year Las Vegas residency. So, How how does this add up? How can it be that she, I mean, she was complaining about the fact that, you know, they wouldn't let her take her IUD out. Right. And here you have people who, I mean, take a look at her dad, Jamie Spears. He's got 2.3 million reasons to exaggerate how bad it is for her. Why do I say that? Because in the last 12 years, 2.3 million is the number of dollars he has collected at a rate of $16,000 a month to be her keeper. Yeah. So with that suspicion and everybody sort of surrounding her orbit, you know, cheering for her to continue to build on her $60 million fortune and continue to perform at an elite level, you know, as a, as a judge, I would think you'd be a little skeptical. Take all the, the criticism with a grain
1: of salt as to just how bad off she is. Yeah. And note here that we've laid out uh, the structure of how conservatorships work under the Lanterman-Petrus uh, short Act LPS conservatorships. Those are ordinarily the type of conservatorships that are employed in mental health crisis situations because we're talking about a 72 hour crisis. We're talking about a 14 day crisis or we might be talking about a one year crisis. This is the sort of mental health concern where you say this person is temporarily uh, uh, disabled uh, and unable to make their own uh, decisions. What Britney has is even worse than that. She is embroiled in a probate conservatorship, which ordinarily people think of as a a, a permanent conservatorship, a conservatorship because death is permanent. Yeah, right? you, you're not getting any better from being so old and maybe so, uh, you know, affected by something like Alzheimer's. You're not going to grow out of that, right? You're not going to be go, unless you're really lucky. Yeah, or the best doctors, right? You're not going to go to some psychologist and and turn this around. This is something that is p- effectively permanent, likely used for uh, a, a permanent situation. What about Brittany's situation? Sounds like she has permanent mental health. She doesn't have Alzheimer's. She's not 105 years old. and She's just, not schizophrenic. She, yeah, exactly. This is not the vehicle that one would ordinarily. I hope she's not schizophrenic. Right. This is not the vehicle that one would ordinarily use. And even schizophrenic people absolutely would ordinarily be subject to an LPS, one-year conservatorship. Now, the one-year conservatorship can be reauthorized at the end of the year, but it has to be. Brittany has been under a conservatorship, a probate, a, th- a theoretically permanent probate conservatorship since 2008. That means there should have been 13 times that she's had that, uh, that the conservatives had to go into court and say, hey, judge, our conservatorship ran out and we'd like to re up it for another year. And there's look at all this really good evidence as to why Britney needs this help. And according Meanwhile, to her she's off recording, to, you know, doing world tours right. and recording albums, that would be really hard for them to do that, to justify that. Yeah. And instead, they've used this schemey way to get a permanent conservatorship when they shouldn't really have been able to do so. And they don't have to justify
0: it. And according to her, she hasn't even been aware until very recently of a right to go into court and challenge the conservatorship. Now, when you hear that, you say, oh, really? You know, know, she's not stupid. You know, of course, it's logical. You know, she's got lawyers hanging around. And yet somebody pointed out that when the conservatorship is established, a person like Brittany is given a one page, dense, uh, densely written uh, piece of legalese that if you read really carefully, you could realize, oh, yeah, you could go in and challenge it. She probably didn't. I mean, who reads this stuff? You know, you always check. The box on the internet, I read the terms and conditions. Of course I did. I mean, it's a sin to lie, but everybody ignores that. And so she probably was unaware of it, but you know, she's got a pit bull lawyer now. And so I imagine things are going to be a lot more aggressive in court for her. Yeah, I'm sure.
1: Absolutely. And we saw this last week, um, she filed a, uh, Uh, an ex parte application, which means you just go into court. You don't have to uh, have long lead times where you wait around for the other side to get your notice in the mail to show up, and then everybody shows up in front of the judge. Ex parte means you just walk in and you say, look, it's just you and me, judge, and it's so important that we didn't even have to tell the other side. We have to do it now. Um, And so she has her new lawyer file this ex parte application to remove her father, James Spears, as Jamie, James Spears as conservator, and he filed his uh, opposition to that ex parte, which is a documents stating he you know he shouldn't shouldn't be removed as conservator and the the uh, document itself basically doesn't uh, have any substance uh, James Spears' document and the supporting declaration, which is like an affidavit where you just make statements uh, under penalty of perjury. Um, it doesn't have any substance in it describing why it was important, is important that Bernie should be. He just uh, wants more notice. Yeah, he just wants more notice and says, you shouldn't have done this ex parte. You shouldn't have done this without you know, giving me notice and letting me show up, uh, even though he could totally show up. Um, and- now, you and I are
0: familiar as, as primarily uh, civil uh, litigation lawyers right. with the concept of ex parte where you can't actually march into the the uh, chambers and say, Judge, this is so important I don't want to tell Wilbur, you're supposed to give like overnight notice. Right. Is it before your
1: understanding 10 a.m. the is, day before. Yeah.
0: Is it your understanding that they didn't even give the minimal
1: notice? No, they it, did, I believe. There wasn't even an objection in James Spears' declaration or opposition that they hadn't given the the one day's notice. But, you know, the one day but notice. But got to from... show
0: I really need to have a relief now. Yeah. It would be irreparable injury right. and I'm likely to win down right. the road. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so it is going to get a lot, a lot uglier. Uh, on the Britney Litigation Oh, front. yeah. It's just okay, starting. W- when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about whether Cuomo is, in, va- in fact, toast. But first, Connor's going to tell you how to uh, rate and subscribe to uh, Too Many Lawyers.
1: Yeah. So go back to your podcast platform, whatever you're listening to this on. Uh, if you you know have one platform on your phone and one on your computer, uh, check us out on both. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever uh, other... Uh, vehicle you use to get your podcasts. Leave us a review, um, you know, stars, numbers, whatever the system is on that platform uh, and, and leave us a little note so we can see how we're doing because we really appreciate reading. We'll be right back.
0: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Conrad. Oaks. So Governor Andrew Cuomo is uh, hanging in there. Um... <laughs> How, how can he hang in there? I yeah. mean, uh, the president of the United States has said you should quit. Yeah. Both U.S. senators from New York, uh, Gillibrand or yeah. Gillibrand, however yeah. she pronounces her name, and Schumer. I'm pretty sure he pronounces his name Schumer. Mm-hmm. They're both in favor of him quitting. A majority of the congressional delegation of uh, New York, uh, they're in support of him leaving. Uh, he, I think Cuomo's biggest ally uh, traditionally in Albany there, he has come out against him. I mean... I don't. I'm, maybe he's still counting noses because there's like 150 people in the state assembly in New York, and and you have to have a majority, I think, to vote to impeach. And then, analogous to the U.S. federal deal, uh, it would then go to the state senate of New York, and a two-thirds vote would be required. I mean, I guess it's possible. That Cuomo is is counting heads and and thinks at this point it isn't necessarily a done deal that he would be booted out. But how can how can he not be on his way out? I mean, so many women have come forward. And I think the only hope maybe he's thinking of this. The only hope would be if a couple of the women, ideally, maybe even more than two from his perspective, could be shown to be schemers, liars, grifters. He could he could uh, tar with the same brush all of his accusers and say, well, look, you know, the, the public is, is now understanding that uh, Mary Sue, she is a damned liar. And so yeah. you got to have questions about all the rest. Other than that, I mean, you know, these the allegations are explicit, uh, a lengthy evaluation uh, by uh, law firms uh, feeding information to the attorney general of of Cal- of New York, concluding after 179 interviews that this is a pattern of misconduct by this guy since two thousand. 2013, including incredibly after the launch of the Me Too movement Mm -hmm. in 2018 or whatever it was, I mean, how in the world he could have done this? I mean, some people say it's just the power of testosterone. It just totally overcomes your sense, your common sense, your logic, your intelligence. And if you're basically kind of a bully uh, and you've got this power and it feels good to uh, to exercise the power. So I get back to the initial question, How,
1: how in the world? Uh, with all of this uh, stacked against him, how does yeah. he think he can survive? So uh, everybody has been knocking the door down trying to talk to Carl Hesti. Hesty, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's the speaker of the uh, the state legislature. Uh, isn't um, he the guy that I was describing as his, his big friend who's now turned against him? Uh, yeah, he may well be. I think so. But basically the H- Hestie's or Hestie's responses in interviews so far ha- have been look, we got to get this right. Everybody basically agrees uh, that we're going to go forward with an impeachment trial. So there's going to be an impeachment. But that's, as we saw from Trump's impeachment trial in the Senate, that can involve calling witnesses or not. And of course, Cuomo's legal team would love to call these women as witnesses, force them to appear, which they will not want to have to do, and answer questions which can be, you know, just a terrible experience to actually have to go through, and also can ruin uh, anonymity if you're trying to preserve that, or at least keep some degree of anonymity. There's a big difference between some random name that in a in a newspaper article criticizing someone or something, and having to appear on television to to uh, to make those same criticisms. And not everybody, you know, is going to be a Stanford professor like Christine Blasey Ford and have the uh, uh, the uh, the eloquence and the you know the the. Stamina and the wherewithal to be able to make uh, this sort of uh, television appearance. And right. Cuomo, of course, is counting on these people not wanting to ruin their lives uh, just to get justice. Uh, and so he thinks, of course, you know, they've of course, already kind of crossed the Rubicon. They've, you know, some they've of gone them public. Have. Yeah, some of them. You, I you're mean, right. Not all. Some, some have remained nameless, although when we've got. Uh, a female state trooper, who's part of his security detail, the one who who described that Cuomo would uh, touch her when they were uh, in an elevator together alone, and make comments, um, uh, uh, sexually uh, explicit comments, um, and flirtatious comments when he's you know the governor, and, and her job is to protect him. Um, how many people is that really? Has it narrowed it down too much for her to really re- remain anonymous regardless? And that's a terrible situation to be in. I mean, it it almost is worse to not uh, not be able to come out if people are going to out you uh, as the accuser involuntarily. And just think about what, what if it's multiple? What if it's multiple women uh, that are in the security detail guarding the governor? All of them are going to uh, you know be. Tarred as uh, some sort of you know by Cuomo's supporters or anybody else who just you know hates when women come out and meet two men, uh, and and they're all going to be you know unfairly targeted. This is a terrible situation to be put in, and Cuomo's legal defense team is of course going to take full advantage of how terrible a situation that is, try to drag out the process. So the state assembly in. Uh, in uh, New York is looking at this as a multi-week project. This is not, you know, an impeachment that's going to happen tomorrow or uh, maybe, maybe not even by the end of August. Uh, Who knows? But it's a process that they really want to cross all their T's and dot all their I's because they're worried that without a perfect impeachment process, Cuomo will pull a Donald Trump. And that makes sense. But I mean, from Cuomo's perspective, if at the end of the day, he's
0: virtually certain that he's going to lose, why put himself and everybody else
1: through that? Yeah, I mean the man's the man seems like a mob boss, right? He's he's that's his attitude. That's the, the he grew up in the governor's mansion, right? His father was a governor. He, he's yep. not leaving except in a body bag. Is his attitude? He, there's there's no way. Uh, that he's going to bow out of this because that would be, as Trump has shown, that would be admitting defeat. And you can just up enough support by never backing down and never admitting defeat. Is
0: is it really fair for Biden and and the other big Democrats to be to be uh, saying, like, get out now, given the Al Franken situation? I I mean, I I really think Al Franken was ridden out of town on a rail by fellow Democrats in the U.S. Senate who just didn't like the idea that there's a big time Democrat as uh, the object of of, of, uh, criticism in the Me Too context. I mean, when you compare the number of women and the kinds of things that were uh, the subject of the accusations against Franken, I, yeah, I think there's a good case for him ha- having said, look, you know, do do what you have to do. Uh, I'm, I'm going to defend myself. But he was just swept out. He was fairly new I- in the Senate. I, I mean, for Biden to stand up the day after the report came out and say, well, I'm not going to fly spec the report. You know, real classy metaphor, uh, Mr. President, yeah. you know, com- comparing picking out pieces of evidence among the allegations uh, against Cuomo to looking for fly poop in a bag of rice. I mean, they have an interest in sort of cleansing the party, maybe even at the at the expense of due process.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is uh, obviously uh, due process is important. Um, it, it is also um, I mean. I think that it is very dangerous to fall back on one case in the past about which we now have questions or even then had questions and say, OK, was this guy ridden out of town on a rail and say, well, therefore, people shouldn't call for the resignation of other people who have much stronger evidence against them. I mean, it's all a sliding scale, right, of, of, of evidence against this person, the credibility uh, of uh, the people who are accusing them. I mean, if you compare the credibility of Leanne Tweeden to, to these people, I mean, it doesn't it, there's no. There's no uh, magic uh, answer or magic bullet for whether this person truly was, uh, you know, unfairly accused versus uh, uh, justifiably uh, removed from office. You have to take every single case on a case-by-case basis, of course, but you can't let past examples uh, cloud your judgment in this mov- this way moving forward. As you and I sit here, it's very clear that Cuomo should not be the governor of New York anymore. Right. New York would be better off if he weren't. It. Everybody can kind of see uh, the the truth of these accusations and how unlikely it would be uh, for uh, uh, for all of these accusers of Al Franken to be somehow. Con- I mean, sorry, of uh, of uh, uh, Cuomo to be somehow conspiring because of the mountain of evidence. I don't think it's it's out of line for a guy like Joe Biden, who is the leader of, you know, the Democratic Party, and it, at the moment, and and you know, is, is an arbiter of, of of our society and our culture and our decision making and our morality. To say it's easy to make this call just because there have been bad calls made in the past, potentially. I think that he's got to make these calls. I, I think it's a better world if he does. That's interesting. I didn't know Joe Biden was the arbiter of our, our culture, but you, you may be you may be right. He doesn't know what our culture is. Uh, he's, you know, uh, just sort of hanging out while the, the tweens on TikTok determine what culture is, and then he filters it out. But he wore that tan suit this week, and he pulled it off. That Yeah, he rocked that
0: suit. He did. Uh, we both use this phrase, uh, ridden out of town on a rail. It's gotten me thinking, how exactly does that work? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, mean, if I, I think if I were being ridden out of town on a rail, I don't think I could... Could stay up on the rail. I think I would fall I, I don't think I, they could I, get me to the city limits before no. I would fall off. So it, how, how is that even effective? It's
1: got to be... It might not show this way in some sort of... In, in, in whatever movie we're, we're thinking of, we actually saw it happen. But They got to tie you to the rail, right? Like, that's the point of the rail is to have somebody to tie you to. That seems unfair.
0: (laughs) When we come back, we are going to talk about our uh, third and final topic here. And it's something that everybody's been, you know, we've been talking about the vaccine. We've been talking about a lot of other issues. But I I want to get into an issue uh, that uh, it's really had a, a, a serious effect on our thinking. And it's kind of a polarizing topic. Should Ashley Babbitt, the QAnon lady who was shot dead at the January 6th Capitol riot, should her parents be able to sue the Capitol Police for $10 million? Stick with us on Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So one of the uh, tragic aspects of the January 6th riot was the fact that Ashley Babbitt, who was a military veteran but also reportedly a big QAnon fan, uh, was shot dead. And uh, the right wing has been talking for months and months about how there's a shroud of secrecy over this case. You know, if anybody is shot by cops these days, doggone it, we're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to get to the names of the cops. We're going to find out uh, their background. You know, is this a pattern and so on? But for some reason, uh, the name of the cop, the Capitol Police officer uh, who allegedly shot her dead, has kind of remained a secret. So yeah, now I- her parents have come forward and sued for $10 million for wrongful death. You uh, have a prediction,
1: Connor? Is- to how this is going to be received yeah it's a pretty straightforward prediction there's a zero percent chance that they're successful uh they will absolutely uh fail but they will succeed in making it a public spectacle of uh of, of biblical proportions uh and uh they will uh provide a lot of fuel for for people who want to turn uh, her death into you know a political football This is so different than, you know, other police shootings because this is somebody who was involved in the January 6th insurrection. Right. This is this is an attack on the U.S. Capitol, uh, either spontaneous or or, uh, planned or a combination of both combination of both, of course, um, where people, you know broke into the seat of our democracy and threatened the lives of our representatives, undermining the, the concept, the very concept of democracy and the peaceful transfer of power. This is a manifestation of Trump's war on uh, the foundations of our country. This woman died in the course of of doing that. She's not the only one who died. Um, for, for example, three of the police officers, uh, Capitol police officers who were defending the Capitol at the time have died by suicide since January 6th. This is certainly uh, many people. One got one uh, officer, I believe, lost an eye. This is not a bloodless uh, uh, situation because people usurped the monopoly of uh, uh, on of force uh, that we hand over to police officers in this country. Yeah, police officers in this country don't always correctly use that monopoly of force, which is why we have the legal system to be able to hold them accountable. I don't think it does a very good job most of the time, but I can see how, you know, everybody, it's such a complicated situation to say, well, there's uh, somebody who we can objectively say was doing a bad, wrong thing. Not objectively, obviously it's subjective, but I'm saying it was doing a bad, wrong thing and they ended up dead. In that scenario, I can draw the analogy, I get it, to somebody who, say, was engaged in whatever you want to call criminal behavior and then ends up dead. Right. We so, don't think that it was, you know, uh, we, we think that, you know, cops should only be able to use force in a, yeah. a proportional and, and that's, way that's to protect life, That's right? the question. Why isn't this analogous
0: to uh, somebody looting a Kmart and the cop right. comes in and the cop absolutely ignores protocol and instead of giving a verbal warning before shooting he just blammo shoots the head off of the kmart rider. why don't the parents of ashley babbitt have a right to go into court and, and say find out the, whether the, this was an analogous situation yeah. a, a verbal warning yeah we
1: don't know exactly right. well, we so regardless of video, the politics but... or the race
0: of the shooter or the shootee yeah or the climate of what's going on isn't it appropriate to hear them out and and have the wrongful death suit to proceed?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You are allowed to utilize the legal system. You are allowed to seek recourse. They will not succeed in this case, almost certainly, because... We all saw it. I mean, Ashley Babbitt's death is on video. Right. This is uh, not that that, you know, determines justice be done in this country, it was, as we've seen with many wrongful shootings by by law enforcement officers. And I'm not exactly one, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows, to jump on the bandwagon of, you know, to protect the police officers and their use of force. Absolutely not. But when you when you look at the circumstances and the the, the you know, news coverage video and the inside the building video that captured what actually happened in this case, you've got police officers who were in this circumstance defending themselves and their charges, you know, our elected representatives from people, a crowd of, of angry people who are shouting, you know, hang Pelosi and hang Pence. They were there for blood, right? This is, of course, a lawsuit that that is justifiably filed. As you know, you and I have talked about on, in, in this uh, on this podcast many, many times. Just because you have the right to file a lawsuit doesn't mean that your lawsuit is meritorious. Mm-hmm. Filing a lawsuit and being allowed to file a lawsuit is a lot like saying uh, being allowed to have a website or put up a poster. All you got to do is go into court and pay fifty bucks or whatever the fee is to file a lawsuit. Um, that, I'm a defense lawyer, so I don't know what the fee is because I, I don't actually file the lawsuits. I do file counterclaims, but uh, but yeah, I don't know. My paralegal pays the fee. I don't know what it is. Um, not out of her own pocket, obviously. Uh, but this is this is uh, there's there's no there's no enforcement mechanism. There's no gatekeeping mechanism for oh this person's filed this lawsuit. They just get to do it right, and then the there are multiple steps along the way where you get, um, uh, say, you know, for example, a a motion for judgment on the pleadings, um, or a motion for summary judgment or a motion for summary adjudication where the defendant can bring motions early in the process and say, look, judge, give them everything, give them every assumption that you want. Uh, their claim is that on Mars, he and I had a picnic. Uh, that's not assault and it also didn't happen. That's crazy. Let me out of this now. And so you can get out of these lawsuits. But until those points, uh, they can file their 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 lawsuit and they can, you know, waste government resources uh, by doing so. Good points. Although I will say, Connor, you're not
0: supposed to say picnic anymore. You're aware of that fact. Excuse me? You haven't heard that? You haven't heard the... No. Oh my gosh. There is a new list out of PC forbidden phrases and words. Oh God, there we go. Well, no, there's a historical basis. Okay, hit apparently me. Apparently in about 1800, you know, creepy white people in the South... Uh, who were happy about an upcoming lynching, and the lynching would be announced, they would show up with their baskets of food and their blankets, and they called it a picnic. These Southern racists used that word that to was refer the to the, the gathering. The I don't know if it was the origin, but they used it. And so... Picnic is now a racist once of a car. (laughs) Of forbidden stuff. Similarly, on the list of forbidden phrases is "rule of thumb." Have you heard about that one? Okay. So, for those who haven't heard it, uh, back in about 1700 in England, you could not, as a husband, beat up your wife. It was uh, illegal unless the stick you used to beat her is so narrow it was only the width of your thumb. So that would make a difference, depending on whether you're Wally Cox or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Everybody knows who Wally yeah. Cox was. As
1: we've described on this uh, in on this podcast before, actually, um, a- as we deal with you know PC and changing uh, culture and the changing of, of language um, and how language you know evolves over time. Uh, something like the rule of thumb, which some people uh, dispute the origin of and say that actually is not the origin oh. of it, uh, the, the problem becomes... would be if, the first time I made something up. Uh, no, no. There are people who, who say it's I not, know, but I'm right. not saying it isn't. Um, uh, we'll get to the picnic one uh, in, in in a second. But the, the the rule of thumb one comes with a, a a problem. What if everybody just thinks that's the origin? If everybody just thinks that's the origin. It doesn't actually matter whether it historically was because everybody... Becomes true. Yeah, it becomes true. Everybody's walking around thinking, oh, that's where right. this comes from. And if you say it, oh, man, you must well, should of course, know that. Well,
0: that, that doesn't apply here because virtually nobody, like one out of 10
1: million people, could say, have told you that before the story broke I a few say, weeks ago. I would say that the whole rule of thumb con- uh, uh, phrase, uh, that is a, a common thing that, that I would say millennial and younger folks are more, more than, often than not familiar with because it gets a factoid that gets passed around
0: oh I see I'd never heard of it before so 2 it, it,
1: it's a little yeah it, it's a little bit uh, more common and becoming more common certainly it has sprung back up in the last couple of weeks same with this uh, concept of picnic which uh, Reuters is telling me uh, that the word picnic um, comes from a 17th century French word, pique-nique, uh, and uh, it, it predates all of that. I'm sure those pique in France in 17th century were probably very racist, too, uh, because everyone in the 17th century was very, very racist. But it, it really just cuts cut to the point of, you know, how much do we want to change uh, uh, change our language and, and how quickly? And... Uh, my answer is probably pretty quickly, pretty extensively, and to pretty much accommodate anybody who wants to make a change in our, in our language. There are, of course, though, exceptions where we have to pull back and we say, was this a hoax? Was this something that just somebody's trying to rile us up? Um, is there a meaningful harm being done here? Which I would say rule of thumb, uh, regardless of the origin, it's so widespread now that I would say, yeah, eventually uh, that is harmful. Picnic? Um, I'm going to keep saying for now. It is time for Guess the
0: Verdict. And you know what happens here. I give Connor a um, series of facts from a real life uh, legal dispute, and he gets to guess who wins. So are you ready for this, Connor? Never. But let's let's do it. Let's go to Reno, Nevada. A Reno man. Actually, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. He uses a hidden microcomputer to help him count cards at Blackjack. Okay. The computer was hidden in his shoe. And when he would tap his toes a certain number of times, depending on what cards were revealed, the computer would transmit a message to a vibrating device placed inside his jockstrap, telling him what to do. Smart. A casino learned about the scheme and they they banned him from playing, saying he violated the rule against... Artificial advices. So he sues the casino for being banned because, wow. you know, everybody loves to go to Harris or whoever that was. Yeah. And so, right uh, Connor Oaks, uh, what's your guess in this uh, titanic legal battle between the casino and a guy who just wants to have a little fun at the tables? Who <laughs> wins the fight?
1: Look. Who hasn't been sitting at the blackjack table <laughs> and thought, I wish I was wearing a device wrapped in my jock strap that I could tap the floor and make vibrate? That sounds like fun. Yeah. So I got nothing wrong with that. But- This guy specifically using computer assistance, it does seem like it spoils the fun, right? It seems like we're all the fun that the house has, ripping off every single gambler? Every single gambler. We all get there and sign up, and we sit down, and we look down at the odds in front of us, and if we're not too drunk to calculate them, we realize, oh, we're getting ripped off every single hand of blackjack here. But we're only getting ripped off off by a little bit. We're flipping an unfair coin. And this pretty lady is giving me a free drink. It's pretty nice, right? And by the time she comes back with my free drink, I've lost $50. So was it really a free drink or was it a $50 uh, (laughs) Jack and Coke? Jack and Diet, actually. Uh, you got to watch your figure uh, even on a trip to Reno. Well, you're watching her figure. Yeah, of course. So (laughs) this is, uh, I would say that this guy is going to, they're going to have to change the odds to make them even more against us, stacked against us, if uh, these people, you know, come in and use outside assistance and computerized devices to to cheat on these games. So I'm going to come down against them. I'm going to say Harris wins uh, on this case. You're right. The casino won. A
0: computer does qualify, shockingly, as an, quote, artificial device. I love it. So good job. Your track record is getting even better. Three for four. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Too Many Lawyers. Next uh, time, we're going to talk about a really big controversial issue. May Mexico sue United States gun makers. They have done it. But will it succeed? Because they have this theory that American gun makers, that, why these gun know the guns are going to go to the cartels. Mm-hmm, it's going mm-hmm, to shred a mm-hmm. Mexican society. One Absolutely. of the things, I'll give you a little, little hint in advance. One of the things that Mexico points out is why, The U.S. gun makers, they they make Pancho Villa specials
1: to specifically appeal to Mexican sensibilities. Sounds like uh, like people suing tobacco companies and alcohol companies. You betcha. I love it. We're going to talk about that plus on Guess the Verdict next week. A birthday cake that
0: did not result in a happy birthday. That's Mm, what Connor is going to be faced with next week. We'll see you then on Too Many Lawyers.